All right, how's it going, everybody? Arya Masudi, Brett Nevitt, and Sunday Gold's back for another episode after a great weekend for Florida State baseball. They sweep James Madison by the scores of four to one, and then thirteen to two, and ten to four. Uh, a James Madison team that uh, I think uh, there's a lot of people out there who feel like they could compete in the Colonial Conference, and uh, a lot of storylines, obviously, as we were going into that season, uh, into that weekend, I should say, and into the season. And uh, Chase DeLauder obviously was the the big name for the Dukes uh, coming in as potentially a number one overall draft pick um, by some people, maybe a, a consensus top 10 pick by a lot of people. But Brett, before we jump in, uh, you've been covering this team for, you know, such a long time when they started in the fall and, and you've been doing it in the summer too. But um, what was it like to finally be back out there on opening day and kind of be the real thing, you know, 2022 season was underway. Yeah, it was nice. I mean, being on the field Friday, um, just everything building up to it, BP and everything like that, it kind of just started to hit me um, that we were back. And especially once those fans started filling up, how it was back to normal. And it just felt good to have a full crowd in the stands and the crowds all weekend were really great. I thought every every day kind of surprised me how many people were there. Didn't know exactly what it turned out would be like, but I thought it was really good all weekend long. And I thought the crowds were good into the games. And um, I think this team's enjoyable to watch and will be enjoyable to watch this entire season. And, you know, I thought this weekend just reassured a lot of things for me. I thought there were a lot of things that happened that I expected to happen, but it was just good to see them happen against a, a team that wasn't, you know, it wasn't a scrimmage. It was for real this time. So, you know, this weekend was a lot of fun and, you know, just the beginning, though. Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, I think the Hauser averaged – about 4,700 fans for the weekend. Saturday had north of 5,000 fans, and uh, it just felt different, and it felt normal, I should say, more so than than anything, was having the animals of Section B doing their thing and, and seeing some students out and enjoying the uh, left and right field bleachers, and the weather was good, I thought, for the most part, all weekend long. And, uh, again, it just kind of felt like back to a couple years ago, before pre-COVID and before the COVID era, and... Uh, it was exciting. I, I had a great time out there. I had the you know the pleasure of getting to call some of the games this weekend and um, the build up uh, going to Hauser this week to just talk to coaches and players and uh, it was starting to build the excitement for me. And then uh, of course the Seminole team that a lot of anticipation on what they would be like, Brett. And uh, you know I, I thought they came out and they played really good baseball for all three games. Yeah, I thought it was just a clean weekend overall for the most part. Um, you know, obviously, you know, Sunday there were, there were some things that, you know, there were some things that a lot of walks and, you know, just some things overall where it was kind of a weird game, but you know, that's how Sunday goes. And especially after Sunday's last year and the way they went last year, it was just nice to get a sweep, nice to get a win. You'll take a weird win and, you know, weren't throwing your best arms. So, you know, a lot of those walks came there, but, um, overall, like you said, just really clean weekend and, you know, Opening day wins are possible. Um, first time in three years it's happened, and first time since 2019 since that they've had an opening weekend sweep. So, um, you know, I, I have really no complaints coming out of the weekend. I know we'll go over it macro and micro, but for me it was just, you know, we get three wins pretty easy um, and move on from there. By the way, also really good to be back doing this pod with you. Uh, thanks for handling the whole show last week by yourself. I actually thought you did an admirable job. Something that uh, we haven't really asked you to do yet, huh? And uh, you were able to put an hour together by yourself. But, again, you bring the, the goods to this podcast. So I'm sure people were excited uh, to, to hear what you had to say. And they had a chance 
to hear about what you had to say um, and to see what you had to say with their own eyes. And I thought this weekend, uh, Florida State, uh, before I get into the specifics, shout out, by the way, to the park, right? The grass, incredible. Infield looked incredible. The new padding looked incredible. Uh, Hauser was was definitely ready for for opening weekend. And um, Florida State put on a show, especially, I thought, in games two and three offensively. Uh, game one and two, the pitching, the starting pitching was out of this world. And as you mentioned, Brett, we'll break it down um, micro and then macro. So let's start game by game and let's go with game one. Uh, the anticipation for Parker Messick this season after Team USA and, and being with that collegiate national team, uh, a lot of people had Parker ranked as a top five starting pitcher in um, college baseball. And they might have uh, they might have missed by four spots because that might be the best starting pitcher in college baseball. We're not sure yet, long season, but uh, Parker went out there and the bulldog mentality, just the energy. It, was it possible for Parker to be any more confident than he's always been? Because he looked uh, not just like an alpha that he's always been. He looked like a leader on that team. Yeah, and I thought Parker... I thought it was pretty important to Parker for himself to set the tone for the season, especially after last year, you know, had a rough opening day start. And he had talked about he really wanted to get off to a good start this year. And, you know, he starts it out with three Ks in the first inning pretty easily. Um, you know, it looked like he was taking the DeLauder matchup pretty personal, really gave him some extra. I mean, struck him out all three times he faced him. And I think it was the first time kind of gave him a good look back there. And, um, you know, that's just how Parker pitches, brings the intensity um, you know, gives up a solo shot in the second, but I could care less if, if you give up a solo shot here and there. I mean, they're going to happen, especially to Hauser. Um, just makes a one mistake pitch. Guys makes you pay, and, you know, that is what it is, and you just move on from there. I mean, only run he gives up that whole outing. Um, you know, I just thought he, you know, wasn't even his sharpest, really just, you know, struggled with the off speed a little bit, just with the breaking balls and getting them in the zone where he wants them all the time. But, you know, when he's got those four pitches – you know, even when he doesn't have everything going, just a couple pitches can get him by. And I thought fastball change him got change up got him by. Um, you know, I've been saying for a while. I think Parker probably has the best change up in college baseball. Um, that thing just has so much downward bite and so much fade on it. It almost looks like a right-handed slider. And he's just perfected that pitch over and over, and it, it just gets better every time he goes out there. It seems um, ended up with five point two five five and two thirds. Only give up two hits, one run, two walks, and eleven Ks. So. That's a hell of a start to the year for, for Parker. Yeah, and I thought, too, um, he did a nice job of just setting the tone from the get-go. And, you know, the home run, uh, that might have bothered him in the past, uh, but he gave it up. Florida State got them right back in the bottom of the inning, and uh, from there it was cruise control for Parker Messick. He could have gone seven innings if he needed to uh, in this one. Obviously, you're building up your pitchers, start one of the year. You don't want to uh, do anything to put their arms at risk, uh, and, and you want to get them ready for – for a long haul of a season. So 90 pitches, uh, 11 strikeouts. Uh, man, that's about as good as it can get, right, in college baseball. Uh, Messick looked to be the real deal. And a lot of talk about DeLauder, right? Like DeLauder this, DeLauder that, this kid can hit, whatever, Cape Cod League. And uh, believe me, I had all the notes written down having to be ready for the broadcast on Friday. But um, Parker Messick, and we'll talk about Bryce in game two, those are two guys that are going to be drafted pretty high as well. And like you said, I think they took that personally. Um, and you like to have that competitive edge, right? Like at the beginning of the season against an opponent that you're, you're probably going to overmatch, right? James Madison, a team that you're in a cold weather state 
and it's snowing and it's cold. And uh, their coach, uh, Marlon Eikenberry, uh, told me that they had two days after the start of December where the temperature was above 50 degrees. So um, he was worried about Florida State for a lot of reasons. And they have a turf field up there, so they're not practicing on natural grass. And, um, yeah, I think FSU was definitely the favorite to sweep, and they did just that. But a lot of these kids, they took some matchups personally, and I thought James Madison was a good opponent for them uh, to come out right of the gate. Yeah, I think James Madison's a solid team. I think they showed that this weekend, um, especially game one. I thought their game one starter is a guy that's going to be a late-round draft guy and maybe, you know, an undrafted sign guy. But, you know, a lot of scouts here this weekend, and, you know, I think he came out 93-94 in the first with a slider to go with it, a bit of a funky delivery and, you know, a little bit – at that lower arm slot, and I thought Florida State did a really good job of hitting off him and just putting bat- at-bats together for four innings. And, you know, for most of the weekend, I thought James Madison played p- pretty clean baseball. There was just a couple of, you know, I think those pop flies and fly outs that they had struggled with in that Saturday game. But overall, like you said earlier, I think they're a team that competes for the Colonial. I thought they had some really good left-handed bats to go along with DeLauder and I still think DeLauder's the real deal. I mean, I saw him hit some absolute moonshots in, in Cape Cod League, and I, you know, his BP is, is ridiculous. Just, you know, it, it's not fun for anyone to come to Tallahassee and face these arms. And, um, you know, they were all up for the test. I mean, every guy that faced him looked like they really – they knew exactly what they were getting. And, you know, I think Jimmy Bellinger had a good game plan for him as well. Um, yeah, but I, I think, you know, going back to this game one – um, like you mentioned, that response to that that home run by James Madison, I thought was really big, and I thought it was, you know, kind of a good way to set the tone for this season with the lineup was, you know, they're going to have responses for things. And, you know, and it's not always going to be just the pitching picking up the hitters this year. I think the hitters will do some picking up as well. And, you know, you know, Brett Roberts' first at bat, first pitch he swings at, leaves the yard. And, um, you know, I've always thought since the first time I saw Brett hit that, He's going to have some pop, especially at Hauser. Um, you know, goes the other way for, you know, off, takes a fastball the other way, lets it get deep and drives it the other way over that right field fence. And, you know, I think that pretty much was a no doubter the opposite way. And, um, you know, he's going to be at his best when he's letting that fastball get deep because he's got special hands to let the fastball get deep and, and then be able to turn on it. And, you know, you can let that lets him do think damage on off speed as well. And, um, you know, that just showed in his first about all the potential he has. And I think him getting one out that direction early in the season is going to really help him a lot because now he knows he can do it um, and he can use that right field fence. You know, next pitch, James Tibbs goes yard opposite field as well. Uh, you know, I've been saying for a while, I think he's got special power. I think he's a guy that could hit double digit home runs as a freshman. Um, you know, didn't really even get a bunch of that ball, but he leaves the yard opposite field just because that's the kind of pop he has. And, you know, when he starts really getting a hold of some of these balls, you're going to be pretty pretty amazed by how far he can hit some balls as a pull side. But I think Meat was really happy to see him go backside on that home run. So that's just a really good start for the offense there and really ignited the team and, and the crowd. And I thought that was a really, really cool experience. Yeah, and I think uh, it was just kind of that welcome back Florida State uh, moment that you needed. And then the sixth inning, uh, to, to just kind of cap off the offense before we go back into uh, the relievers for Florida State in this one, uh, Reese Albert, it was good to kind of see him uh, open his season up with a little bunt single uh, to get himself going. And then uh, Logan Lacey on an 0-2 pitch 
uh, just laces one to that right center field gap. Does a, a really nice job. And um, that's that kid's going to be pretty special for Florida State this season. He's going to be a leader for them in that lineup. Uh, and he could very well be the most consistent hitter that FSU has uh, for games one through 56 of the regular season. So um, he scores. Uh, Albert, after uh, uh, Terrell, uh, was able to, to have a sack fly. And I know that was something you wanted to mention and, and you were proud of was the the two-strike approach for a lot of these guys. Yeah, I mean, going back to what you said first, talking about Reese, I thought that bunt single, I think that was the perfect thing to get him going. I mean, he was as fired up as he's been in the last two years of baseball when he got when he got to first on that. Um, Logan, I thought, squared up basically every single ball he swung at this week. Um, you know, only – I mean, he went 5 for 12, 417 on the weekend, but I thought every ball he hit, he hit hard. Um, only strike out, struck out once. Um, and, you know, yeah, Logan's Logan, glue guy still. Um, you know, Alex does the sack fly, two strikes I believe that was, and long at bat, really good to see. Um, I just thought this game showed how bought in they were at the plate. I mean, only struck out three times, and there were good swings all day. And I thought, you no, know, there could be, there could have been better output on the day. There were only seven hits and four runs. But, you know, I thought there were a lot of atom balls, and it was probably, you know, it might have been – the best hitting game, if, better hitting game than FSU had any of the season last year, approach wise, um, not run wise or hit wise, but just approach wise and the the battling at the plate and putting balls in play and, and making things happen. Um, it was there, and that's what I think they're going to look like more this year. Not every game is going to be only three strikeouts, but just the consistency, the willingness to battle, the willingness to go the other way, the willingness to do what Meat wants to do. I mean, you saw every bit of that here in this game, and. Meat was really excited after the game, for sure. Lacey also did a really nice job, by the way, Brett. Uh, a ball in the dirt, read it well, got to third base, and then later scored on a pass ball that got to the backstop. So um, that's kind of been the buildup, right, for Florida State has been we're going to be a complete baseball team that does a lot of the little things correctly. I know base running as a whole all weekend. Um, there were some moments that I think you're going to have to clean up as you get into to your better part of your schedule, but um, the Knowles looked athletic, too. Can I say that? Like they they looked a lot more athletic um, in the ability to put pressure on a defense than they have in the past. Yeah, just I mean, especially with I mean, you mentioned I mean, you bring in Isaiah Perry as well, and and he leads off the next day, and you know Reese was doing stuff in the base pass, Logan's doing stuff on the base pass. Um, you know, Brett struggled on the base pass this weekend, but he'll be a guy that that does some things there as well. Um, Jaime Ferrer had a stolen base this game. He's a guy that can really run, even though he's a natural catcher. Um, Tibbs is, a, is an a- average to above average runner. Um, and basically everybody in this lineup besides Alex Terrell and the catchers can really run. And I think it's going to be something that they use this year. Um, you saw a lot of hits and hit and runs this weekend. Um, you know, only the one stolen base, but I thought there were, there were good dirt ball reads. I thought there were good. Uh, you know, I thought there were a couple of hit and runs that were executed and meet was putting stuff on a lot, especially in certain counts, which he likes to do um, pretty often. And it's something they scrimmage a lot. It's something they work on in scrimmages. Um, and then going back to Logan, you were talking about him just doing everything. I think he kind of embodies this team where, you know, Logan can do a little bit of everything, do everything solid. I thought he had a really good weekend in center field as well, um, you know, except for one fly ball on Sunday. I thought he did a really good job patrolling the outfield and doing the little things in the bases, doing just plays hard and, I mean, I just love watching Logan Lacey play baseball. I could watch him play baseball every day of the year. He just does a lot of things right, and uh, he's a much better athlete in center field than people give him credit for. 
Um, he looked smooth. I know there was a couple balls here and there that he, he, he'll tell you who could have made a better read on and could have done better on. But as a whole, man, he just kind of glides when he's trying to find the ball. And um, good for Florida State. That's a kid you could have lost last year, in my opinion. Um, just the way the draft went, you got, you got fortunate. Logan Lacey's the type of kid you want on your team. It's the type of older uh, player that kind of goes under the radar that ends up leading you and, and is the catalyst for your team in a year that, you know, when those teams make Omaha, Brett, you always look at like a couple guys that you're like, man, no one's really talking about them, but they probably should be. Um, and so um, I know NC State's offense, by the way, last year when they went to Omaha had three or four of those guys that were just kind of under the radar, scrappy kids that no one really talked about. So um, Florida State's got got that guy in, in Logan Lacey, and they probably have a couple more than that, uh, to be honest with you. So uh, a big moment in this ballgame, I thought, and we can transition to some of the relieving. Um, they took Messick out uh, after his 90th pitch. There was still an out to get in the inning, uh, and they brought in the the freshman, uh, very anticipated, highly rated Jackson Baumeister uh, from Bulls in Jacksonville. And um, – Man, you've been raving about him uh, really all off season. I've been reading your stuff, and obviously when we chat and we have our phone calls and, and, and we can um, discuss some of these guys, that fastball is real. That's a real fastball up to 95 um, this weekend. And for him to get out of that moment, right, to get it, he got the team out of it, got the big strikeout, um, and Parker Messick, Bryce Hubbard, the first two, to just storm out of the dugout to, to greet him. Chest bump from Parker and – um, man, that was cool, wasn't it? Yeah, I thought that was the biggest moment of the weekend, and I thought it was something that kind of just, you know, relaxed this team a little bit, relieved this team a little bit, especially when they scored the two runs after that. But I thought it showed a lot of what this team can be and a lot of why this team can be good, and it's because you have those power arms and you have freshmen that are ready for this moment, and also you have a bunch of guys that really like each other and really want to play for each other. Like you said, that moment, I thought the biggest thing for me in that moment was seeing Bryce and seeing Parker and seeing how that whole dugout reacted. Um, and I, it was just a really big moment for them. And I think huge moment for Jackson. I mean, he struggled a little bit in the, in the preseason um, just with some of his off-speed stuff. But they were really intrigued with the idea of him in the bullpen and what his fastball can be out there when he's in shorter settings. Um, it was 93-95 in that first inning and, you know, blows 95 by a hitter. Um, up and in to, to get out of the inning and, and leave two runners on the base. I mean, that's a that's just a huge moment that shows you a little bit about Jackson and and his personality and the things he can do um, both on and off the field. And I think the future that he has at Florida State and, and longer into the pros. Um, and I thought the bullpen as a whole was really good this game. But that certain moment um, I thought was just – it was so massive for him and so massive for this entire team. Yeah, because, you know, in that inning, Parker gave up the single right through the left side to Trayvon Dabney, who I think Dabney's going to be a pretty good player in the Colonial, too. I think that's an all-Colonial first-team kind of kid. Um, everybody talks about DeLauder, but there's a couple of guys in that lineup that I think uh, for James Madison that, that are going to make some noise. But Parker gets uh, DeLauder to swing through a strike three, struck him out three times on the night. That was big. Um, but then uh, a pass ball and a uh, walk, right, to Trimble. I, I think that's when Parker... I don't want to say ran out of gas or anything, but like that was that was the at bat for me that I was like, all right, Parker's not. It's not the same as it was innings one through four, one through five. So you bring in a freshman with two on, and if you give up a double or you give up a bomb right there, at that point in the game, Brad, it was only two to one. 
At that point, you're thinking, here we go again. On a- it's like an opening day type of game, right? Like, this is, this is what's gone wrong for FSU. Messick looks dominant for a long stretch. Um, and, and not that he struggled or anything. Obviously, he didn't. But, like, then someone makes a, a capitalizes on a mistake, right, in the middle innings. And FSU goes on to lose, like, 4-2 to two or something, something nonsensical like that that's happened to them in the past. But um, that moment, right, Baumeister gets the job done and all of a sudden um, the air kind of comes back into the building uh, and and the momentum goes back Florida State's way and obviously the rest is history but cool moment for for FSU big moment for Baumeister to be thrown into it early Um, and it's not like he eased his way in it's literally we're putting you in the fire right now go get it done and he does so uh, kudos to him and then you get into uh, the rest of this game uh, Baumeister finishes going one whole inning, does walk a batter, but a couple strikeouts on 20 pitches. Uh, Wyatt Crowell, Jonas Scalaro come in. Um, and uh, Wyatt Crowell, I think, has been a bit sharper than uh, than that, um, than, than his first appearance this season. Uh, no doubt Crowell is going to be leaned on, and his stuff is amongst the best on the team. Uh, but, man, can we just – can we talk about Jonas Scalaro on Friday night? Because – an inning in two-thirds, a hit, no runs, four strikeouts, and it felt like quite literally every pitch was a strike. And every pitch was nasty. Uh, the fastball played up. The changeup that he added has completely revolutionized his game. Uh, and then the off-speed looked, uh, the, the curveball-slider combo uh, looked insane uh, because he got a sword out of it, and then uh, Pitching Ninja gave him a shout-out later that night uh, on Twitter. So, um, man, Jonas Galaro, hat tip. Yeah, I thought that was pretty electric. I mean, when he goes six pitches, two Ks to end the inning, strand two guys in scoring position. Um, and then he comes back out and goes one, two. Th- I think, yeah, gives up a single in the ninth, but still goes, you know, pretty clean, squeaky inning with two more Ks. Um, you know, 18 pitches, 17 strikes. Uh, you know, the thing about Jonah is, you know, the fastball is obviously 88 90. There's nothing special about that, but. I think all three of his off-speed pitches can be special at times, and when they're all clicking together, you, you as a hitter, you you have no idea what's coming every pitch. You you just got to be guessing. You got to be. I mean, this changeup, it, it, you saw how good it is against right-handed hitters. I mean, he made he made a couple guys look silly. Um, that's just something that's brand new for him since the summer. I mean, he's learned it quick, and he uses it at the highest level. Curveball, slider are both still there. Uh, fastball will get up to ninety, but. You know, as long as he's got that on the inside corner, I mean, there's nothing else he really, there's nothing else he really needs from the fastball because he can drop the changeup off of that. He can, you know, drop a curveball off of that. Can slider's gotten better, I think. Slider and curveball spin rates are both up. Um, he's just Mister Reliable. He's been in every situation, and that was definitely the guy to get the job done on on Sunday. I mean, on Friday. Sorry, but uh, yeah, that was. I don't think he could have been any better than he was on Friday night. I mean, that was disgusting. That was filthy. I mean, it was like strike one, strike two, and um, if Jonah can do that all season long for you uh, in that role, you can close him for three outs if you need. You can close him for six outs if you need. And uh, not not saying that FSU will need it, but he could go nine outs. Like, if you need it, Jonah's capable. And um, adding that changeup, I think, has changed everything. He's always had good commands. Um, able to attack the strike zone. And Brett, more than anything now, you can't sit on two pitches. You're not guessing, okay, fastball, looping curveball. It's now it's a third pitch, and now you're guessing uh, even more if you're a hitter. Yeah, and I think, like you mentioned, the big thing about that outing was he was strike one, strike two. And if if you get down 0-2 against Jonah, you really – I mean, 
you're standing in the box, what are you thinking? You're thinking, I have no idea where this guy is going to go with now because, you know, he could sling a slider on me. He can drop a changeup on me. He can go up in the zone with a fastball. He can drop a curveball on me. Um, and Jonah's in the zone with all four of those pitches. He's a four-pitch for strike, guys. Um, yeah, it was just that's, – that's why he's the closer to start the year. You saw there he's got the experience. He's got the stuff. Does everything right. Does the little things right. Keeps runners on – holds runners well, feels his position well. Um, and he's just ready for those those high leverage situations. And I think, you know, part of this is, you know, Meat's definition of closer isn't ninth inning specifically. It's highest leverage situation. And you said on Sunday, and we'll get to that when we get to that game. But it's just, you know, when is the game on the line? And that's when Jonah's going to come in because he is ultra-reliable in, in all situations. I mean, you could throw Jonah in there in the third, fourth inning as, as a guy to – you know, get you a, f- a few innings and you trust him to do that too. You can trust him to go get one lefty out. You can go, he just does everything. And I think he's going to be a guy that throws two or three games every weekend. They thought about starting him at one point. Like th- like he was legitimately uh, making the staff consider being the third guy in that rotation. And that's just a credit to him and how hard he's worked uh, to improve his game. So that's what he brings to the table. Versatility. He feels his position well. Uh, he's athletic. Um, and like you said, he's experienced. There's not a single situation Jonas Scalaro is going to pitch in this year that he hasn't probably already been in in his career. And he's done it at Omaha. He's done it in high leverage situations in his career the, the entire time. So um, he reminds me kind of of Billy Strode a little bit. For for Knowles fans listening that remember Billy Strode, it was, uh, Billy was a former starter that they kind of transitioned into that dominant lockdown uh, closer role. And, and Billy was was really good, a really athletic guy. And um, kind of just did everything well. So um, Scalaro, really good. He pitched again on Sunday. We'll talk about that as well. Um, but, Brett, is there anything you want to touch on game one before we go ahead and move on into game two? No, I just thought game one was – as I think everything about that game was the perfect way to start the season off. Um, you know, good approach to the plate. Didn't have to make too many plays in the field, but were good when, it, when you had to make plays in the field. Um, you made timely pitches from the bullpen. I mean, it was just all around it was – I mean, it might have been more of a complete game than we played at any point all last season. Like, I, they struck out only three times, yeah. all game. Like, incredible. I mean, it was incredible. They were attacking early. They were making contact early in, in at bats, and then uh, on the other side, you strike out eighteen guys to just three walks. Uh, yeah, that, that'll play. Uh, great first game, clean fielding. That's. That's the recipe, man. Friday nights you're going to face some some really good pitchers, and you're not going to win every Friday night game ten to nothing, right? Like you're going to have to grind some things out. And situationally, I thought Florida State was was fantastic in game one. All right, game two, a uh, bit more of a blowout, thirteen to two. The Knowles offense came to life in this one. Um, Sixteen hits, thirteen runs, and then uh, we've got to start before we talk about the offense with Bryce Hubbard. That was it. Was going to be tough to be much better than what Parker did. On Friday, and Bryce was like, I, I think the matchup against DeLauder is just as personal for me as it is for, for Parker. So, uh, Bryce, five innings, two hits, no runs, no walks, 13 strikeouts. I mean, it was pounding the zone on 75 pitches. And, uh, man, what can you say? Does, does does anyone come close to Florida State's one-two punch? I don't think so. And, and I mean, Bryce wasn't even – the best version of Bryce. I mean, he didn't even have to use his off-speed pitches, and I think he's got a plus slider now, and he's got a, a good curveball still with high spin rate. I mean, but he didn't even have to use him. So, I mean, 
if he when he starts getting those mixed in, I mean, what do you what what, do you, what are you going to do? I mean, I think some people forgot how nasty Bryce was in the summer. I mean, he made the Cape League look like a joke. I mean, he made hitters look like a joke in the Cape League, and that's the best hitters in the country besides guys that are on Team USA. Um, I mean, it, it just, I mean, didn't, I don't think he allowed a run in his last twenty five innings in the Cape and struck out a, a whole ton of guys, and then comes down on on Saturday and. I mean, what did he strike out? Eight through three, 13 and five. Um, struck out 13 to 17 batters he faced. And I think he only threw about 10 to 15 total off speed pitches. Um, basically, did it. I think every single of his 23 swing and misses were on fastball. I mean, he literally said, I mean, coming off the mound on the first inning, I'm pretty sure he said, You don't belong here. You, you don't. Like, it's, Bryce is just. He just knows he's better than guys, and he just attacks. And he, I mean, that's what makes him good. Is he? He knows his fastball is gonna. It's, it's an invisible. You, you can't hit it. Um, the metrics behind it, everything he does, the work he puts in there. Um, you know, he's kind of a nerd when it comes to that stuff, and he he loves to look at that stuff. And it has made him so much better. And up in the zone, you you just can't touch his fastball. I mean, there, you, he could tell you a fastball is coming, you're not gonna hit it. And it's not because it's 98, 99 miles per hour. It's because he gets so much, you know, he gets down the hill with it, the release point, the spin on it. I mean, that ball looks like it's literally rising on hitters. And like I said, like, and now if he goes and drops a slider or a curveball off that in his next outing, and I mean, I mean, yeah, it's best one-two punch in the country. Uh, you know, um, you know, I'm a Braves fan. I've, I've said it many times on here before. Um, he's not a righty like Ian Anderson is. And obviously they're not the same exact type of pitcher or, or uh, even measurables, right, and mechanics and all that. But his fastball reminds me of Ian Anderson's in the way that it jumps on hitters. Like it's not going to be 97, 98. It's just like the way he releases it, uh, the way it moves on on the plane to the plate. Um, it's got such late life too to it that like you can, like you said, he can tell you it's he's about to throw it. And by the time your brain processes where the ball is, like it's past your bat. And so um, he mixes that in with that that curveball that he has that can just snap your back ACL, <laughs> your back knee. I mean, it's he's gross. And there's a reason he came out of the, uh, the Cape Cod League as one of the top draft prospects. Um, and I don't think anybody helped their draft stock more than Bryce Hubbard did this summer. Yeah, and I don't think there's anyone as unique as as Bryce and the metrics he brings, and that's why he's a guy that's in the talks about for first round in the upcoming draft. And, um, you know, my favorite thing about that outing was, I mean, 75% strikes, no walks. Um, if Bryce is doing that, you, you don't have a very good chance of scoring off of him. So um, good luck. Amazing. And it's, it's amazing. And talking to both of them going into the week, I asked – each of them about the, the other and Parker was just like man Bryce is filthy like that's that's exactly what he said just just nasty he's analytical meat said that they're different they're kind of like fire and ice in that way and and Bryce you know talked about Parker and was like oh, man he goes out there and he's a bulldog and everyone uses that bulldog analogy but um, Bryce said this guy just competes like he's out there he's he's trying to be you know confident and funny and and high energy all the time and that's just who he is and so those two really like being around each other. They feed off each other. And um, like you said, man, there's no one in the ACC that's better than those two. And, and you were telling me before we hit record, those might be the top two pitchers yeah. in the ACC bar none. Yeah, I mean, 
<laughs> you could end up, you could get to the end of the season and both of them are first team all ACC guys. I mean, long way to go. Yeah, there's a long way to go. But I mean, are there two better? I mean, they literally could be one, two. They could be one A, one B. Um, and I, you know, I think I forgot to mention on Parker. I mean, that was probably the fastest his his that was probably the sharpest his fastball's been as a starter since he's been here. I mean, I think he was ninety three, ninety four in the first. I think ninety ninety two most outing, still bumping to ninety three once in a while. Um, I just yeah, I mean, happy to have him. I it's, it's just. Yeah, it's amazing. It's so much fun to watch both of them. And it's like you said, they're they're very different than each other too. Um, you know, Parker works east west kind of Bryce works north south. You know, Parker shows a ton of emotion on the mound and and Bryce kind of just gives the the little just gives a little hand wave, just get out of here. And you know, Bryce is Bryce and Parker's Parker and they're both unique and they're both they're both damn good pitchers, man. Except for that one time, by the way. Uh Bryce uh, you say he's, you know, he tries to, you know, he's very calm and collected. Uh, he struck a ladder out and he took two steps <laughs> towards the dugout, uh, kind of screamed at the ladder. And I, I thought it was hilarious. It, it took everything in me, by the way, calling that game on the broadcast, not to like laugh out loud as it was happening. Um, they took that personally. You're right. <laughs> I'm at a, I'm at a loss for, for words. Like those two, that's the best one-two punch Florida State's had. It, I mean, at least since C.J. Van Eyck and Shane Drohan, and we never got to see those two uh, together for a full season. But these two kids might seriously compete with each other for ACC Pitcher of the Year. Like, like you're talking about, you're talking about what everybody was saying about Vanderbilt's two pitchers with Leiter and Kumar. Like that's that's the same level. Well, the great thing about Parker and Bryce is they want one up each other every time. Because I'm sure Bryce was sitting there on Friday thinking, you did this, I'm going to try to go one-up you. And I bet you Parker was saying, I hope you do. I mean, go out there and try. Um, you know, they they have their own little battles with each other. And, you know, obviously they really like each other, but they also compete with each other and make each other better. And, and, and each of them teach each other things. I mean, it, it's just, yeah. And I don't know if, I mean, like – I think I tweeted something about DeLauder on Saturday. Like, he's not having fun in Tallahassee. I mean, anybody that comes down here is just going to be like, oh, man, Friday I had to face Messick. And then Saturday, you're getting no break. And Sunday, to be honest, you're not getting a break either. I mean, you're still facing another lefty that's throwing 93-94. Um, oh, gosh. Yeah, good luck. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's talk some uh, offense uh, in this game because there was there. Uh, we could talk about Parker and Bryce for – two hours on its own podcast, to be honest. Um, Florida State gets going there in the bottom of the third inning, um, and uh, the Knowles manufactured some runs. Uh, Isaiah Perry, I thought, really provided you a spark. Uh, I know the platoon thing with Reese right now, uh, we'll see if that sticks, right? Um, the whole season, uh, obviously roles change and, and seasons change, but IP did did himself a lot of favors, I thought. He looked confident. He looked um, poised. Uh, to use a, a Mike Martin Sr. and elevenism, uh, but the Knowles then took uh, they took advantage of some uh, some bad defense too by the uh, James Madison Dukes. Yeah, platoon's going to stick. Um, I definitely think that's going to stick for a while. Uh, Reese hit as good as he hit this weekend because you know he's not having to face lefties and he's not having to worry about the spin and he's not worrying having to worry about balls going away from him. Um, you know he's sitting fastball and thinking you know I'm probably going to get. Either a changeup fading away from me, which you know a lot of college arms don't have a great changeup, or you're going to get something spinning into you. 
um, which is going to come into your bat path if you're on that fastball. Um, and then, you know, Isaiah is, he just creates havoc. I mean, he's, he's just so fast. He can puts the ball on the ground and there's a good chance he's going to get on base to be honest. Um, and you know, he covers a lot of ground in the outfield as well. Both those guys play good defense out there, but, um, yeah, good spark for him. I mean, uh, you know, that third inning when they scored, I think, you know, Logan drives in, um, Jackson green after Greeny had a hit to, to, you know, with one out and Isaiah gets hit back to back. And then you also get another run, you know, Terrell, you know, gets on base, you know, because of an error, but that's an RBI anyways, because he's two strikes, putting the ball in play and a grounder at first. I mean, that's a productive, even if he's out there, that's a productive out. That's a productive AB. That's a quality AB. And that's what this team just needs to do. And I thought that's what they did all week. And they strung together quality ABs and, you know, with those quality ABs, finally you get the breakout in that fifth and sixth innings, um, which I think we'll talk about here in a second. But, yeah, I mean, it's just like you talked about with IP, he's a spark, and then you got Terrell doing things that he needs to do. Um, that's just a good way to get your bats going in the third inning there. And then fifth and sixth inning, uh, we could probably talk about each of these innings for 10 minutes apiece, but let's consolidate them. Uh, Ten runs in two innings for Florida State, uh, O Canada. Uh, on Saturday was very fruitful for the Knowles in the bottom of the fifth inning. Uh, Terrell uh, with the big moment uh, there in the fifth, and he welcomed himself, right? He, he introduced himself to Florida State fans with a, a big grand slam. Yeah, and I uh, kind of got to love the Tomahawk chop coming around third base and heading for home. But, um, you know, that's what Alex is going to do on, on fastballs on the inside half of the plate is he's going to turn and burn. And he's – I mean, that ball is – was absolutely what was it 11 111 off the bat i think 418 distance um personally I think it might have been farther than that i mean that ball was i mean there was i mean i i wa- i saw it and i just looked down i didn't even i didn't even watch it i just started typing it's one of those where you just know as soon as it hits the bat and when he gets them you know i mean you just it, he's going to hit some balls this year that are kind of silly um but i just think that was such a huge moment for him and you know, I think he's just kind of got this new beginning and everybody in that clubhouse loves him. And that moment for that whole team to see that, to see, you know, that whole dugout come out and support him. Um, you know, I thought that was special and I'm sure that was special for Alex. And, you know, I think he loves being here so far. And um, yeah, that ball was just absolutely cranked. Yeah. Uh, uh, when he was at Miami, uh Brett, a lot of people compared him to the next, like, Yonder Alonzo, which was another great Miami Hurricane. Um, I think Yonder, is he still in the MLB? I know he's he's had a career um, here and there in the major leagues, um, kind of a journeyman. But uh, in college, he was disgusting. And a lot of people were, were starting to compare um, Terrell to Alonzo. So um, Terrell had that season in 2019. He hits 24 home runs for the Canes. And then um, I think over the next couple of years, he didn't quite – uh, he wasn't able to do the same thing, right, that he did the year before. And, and he comes into Miami with a lot of hype. And there was uh, a lot of people who did not think he would last more than three years in college because of just th- they thought that that bat would play. And so uh, by uh, fortune of events, uh, Florida State gets him to campus, and, and Miami doesn't have enough scholarship money in a spot anymore for him. And uh, Mike Martin Jr. said, I don't really care how I got him. I'm glad I got him. And um, – He's come right in, right? Right in, and he's fit in that locker room. He's become another coach on that team, essentially. The respect level is so high for him. And, Brett, this guy, I mean, he could have a renaissance season back to being an all-ACC caliber kind of guy. Yeah, and that's mostly because I think Alex has really bought in to Meet's um, approach here. And, 
you know, he bought in quick. And I think it's, I mean, it's showed this entire weekend. I mean, he's not only hitting balls to the pull side, he had a double, you know, dead center. I think he had another ball hit the opposite way, hit a sack fly the other way. Uh, you know, I think he only struck out once, maybe twice. I think twice, actually. Um, yeah, two times. But, I mean, he hit 455 on the weekend. I mean, he drove in nine RBIs in three games. Last year he only drove in 29 guys in, uh, what, 50 games, I think it was, they played last year. Um, and, you know, like you said, Alex is just so respected by this team. Um, on Saturday I was down by the dugout, and um, – you know, Alex brought everyone around him after his first at bats. Um, I mean, yeah, first he first at bat, he brought everybody around him in the dugout on Saturday, and you know, every single guy in that that dugout is staring at him, looking at him, locked in on him. Um, he is another coach in this team, and meet after the game, kind of called him a gentle giant. Um, if you ever talk to Alex, you just get that feeling being around him that he's a really good kid and someone that you know. I think like everybody in that in that locker room looks to him for some guidance. Everybody in that locker room looks to him for, um, you know, some knowledge. I mean, if you're not practice every day, he's telling guys where to be, got, telling guys what to do. Um, he hasn't been afraid to speak up since he's been here. And it's, it's just, it's meant everything. I don't, I don't even think you can put into words what Alex has meant since he's gotten here in the fall. Yeah. I mean, that's maybe the impact transfer that's top five impact transfer, I think, in college baseball this offseason. Yeah. Uh, the only one that comes to mind, like, immediately that, like, might be above that was, like, Jacob Berry leaving Arizona and going to LSU. I can't think of that many more. Can you? Like, no, but, FSU got, a, and, got, like, a monstrous transfer. And D1 Baseball had him as the 60th best impact transfer. 60th best impact transfer? Yeah. All right, let's revisit. You might want to revi- let's revise revisit that, that in May, right, when the stats are yeah. f- <laughs> a full season. You put in. Alex in, in our park, I mean – what do you expect, man? I mean, what do you expect? He's going to do his thing. He's going to mash. But to me, too, and I think you touched on it uh, just a couple moments ago, yeah, he hit the ball over the screen, but it was everything else going opposite field. He had a couple doubles on Sunday um, where he's hitting it straight dead center over uh, Delauder's head and then to left center. Uh, he looked like a complete hitter. Like, it was a complete hitter. He was patient when he needed to be. Um, he was having fun. He's dancing as he's getting into second base and screaming into the dugout. Like, we'll talk about the theme of this team, by the way, uh, just how much they enjoy being around each other um, when we look at big picture stuff. But um, the point I want to make on Terrell Brett is I actually do think Alex will kind of like re-energize his, his baseball career at Florida State. Like, I really think at the in the summer, like he's going to get drafted. Um, because he's had such a great season, and I think he could be an All ACC guy. I really do. Yeah, I think you just see it just being around him, and you know, there's kind of always a smile on his face, and you know, at the plate, he just looks confident. Just looks like, I mean, every time he steps to the plate, you kind of feel like something's going to happen, um, and something did happen most of the time this weekend. Um, and I just think he's so bought into everything that that Meat's talking about, and that buy-in, him coming in and buying in. I think that was a huge thing for the rest of this team and saying, hey, if that guy was somewhere else for four years and he could come in and buy into this, then why am I not buying into this? I think he is just, it, like I said, it's just, I, I, it, it just means so much to everybody on this team. Yeah, and to have a, a lot of the younger players that you have in this lineup, the, the kids that you're really relying on, um, to have a few older guys that can kind of um, be linchpins, right? for this group, uh, Reese and, and, uh, Logan Lacey and, and Terrell. And 
Um, just having a couple of those guys that have been here and done that, I think it's going to be very important to kind of lead the lineup throughout the season, if that makes sense. I mean, Reese comes off the bench in this game and goes three for three with two doubles. And uh, yeah, a lot of a couple RBI hits right in these fifth and sixth innings. Mm. He he looked good. Uh, I mean, the bunt kind of looked like it, it opened him up as to be like, all right, here I am, I'm back. And then he was just scorching the ball down the lines into right field into the gaps. Um, and he was, I mean, that's as much fun as I think I've seen Reese Albert have playing baseball in a couple seasons. I mean, he was like salsa dancing at second base after a couple of his hits. Yeah, I think it's just a. I just think it's a whole new mindset with Reese and, you know, everything he does has a little more, you know, joy to it, I think. And I think he's just appreciating every moment. And um, like you said, like we mentioned earlier, I mean, I think that bunt opened him up and it was just like, all right, here we go. Let's, let's go. Let's do this thing now. And I think coming off the bench, you know, it helps him a little bit. Just get a bit back, watch, watch some pitches early in the game and then come in and, and do his thing. And I mean, ball's going to left, ball's going to right. Um, you know, he's seeing the fastball. He's more on the fastball than he's been in the last two years. And I, I mean, he's just, yeah. Now I'm not saying, I don't think Reese is going to be hitting 350 all year or something like that, but you couldn't ask for a better start for Reese. I mean, I just total reset on that kid and his confidence, I think going forward. Yeah, uh, and just uh, another guy who's been there, right, and has done that and has been through every situation. Uh, it's the same Reese Albert who hit two home runs against LSU in a Super Regional. He didn't go anywhere. It's the same Reese Albert, by the way, who, like, walked off everybody uh, his, like, freshman and sophomore years, it felt like, when he was in Tallahassee. Yeah. Like, every ACC school had been walked off by Reese Albert. But I also think we see a whole new kind of approach from Reese to the plate where it doesn't look like, you know, he's trying to put everything over that right field fence um, you know, I know Meat mentioned a while back that the the swing is just so much more simple. It's more, sh- it's so much more, sh- it's so much shorter now. Um, you know, he's more direct to the ball, and, and he can just do so many more things. And um, just really excited to see him play. I really hope he gets a full season of health. I mean, I don't think you could ask for anything more than that. In that sixth inning, too, Brett, a couple of different guys had some good at bats. Uh, Ferrer had the double. Uh, to to get some RBIs there. Uh, I know there was like an error by the left fielder too. He he overran the ball. It felt like, and um, that allowed uh, Ferrer. Ferrer showed some good wheels, by the way, um, on that at bat. That's something you mentioned earlier. He can run uh, for someone who's supposed to be a catcher down the line. I thought Roberts did a nice job of bringing a run home uh, situationally, um, and uh, the the Trayton Rank kid was impressive to me as well in this weekend too. Yeah, there were a lot of really good at bats in this inning specifically. Um, Trayton leads off with a double off the, you know, right field fence, opposite field for him. Um, you know, lets the fastball get deep and drives it that way. Um, you know, I think Greeny had a really good walk, worked a really good walk. Um, then Reese, you know, pulls a double. I think it was in the gap, I want to say, maybe down the line. Um, you know, Logan scorches one up the middle after that. And then Brett, like you mentioned, I think it was two strikes. He kind of just flicked his wrist down on a slide around and, and set it out to center field for a sack fly. Um, and then Jaime. I mean, I really think Ferreira is going to be a kid that can really, really hit this year as a freshman. I think he's a type of kid that you end up seeing on a all-ACC type of freshman team. Um, I've thought ever since I saw him in high school that he could just really hit, and he's going to spray line drives all over the field. Um, you know, I think he's got a, a chance to be a really special player for FSU this year and down the road. Yep. Uh, other runs, uh, Florida State got one in the eighth to make it 13-2, to two, I want to say, as we saw Baz Jimenez 
uh, put a good swing on a ball. And then I, I remember Brock Mathis uh, coming through. That was his um, first real chance with Florida State. Uh, and he gets the RBI. So uh, a lot of nice pieces for the Knowles. Yeah, I was just going to talk about Baz. I just, it was really good to see um, Baz back out there and, and, you know, really good moment to see him get a hit. I know the dugout kind of exploded with that happened. Um, you know, Baz went through a really scary arm injury last year and, you know, had to be out all year after it looked like he might get some at-bats as a freshman. Um, you know, still dealing with that arm when it comes to throwing. Um, but just to see him out there, I thought was really good. I think he's going to be a guy that gets some looks at DH this year and be a guy that, you know, um, pinch hits a little bit off off the bench. But just really cool moment to see him back out there and big smile on his face after that double. Yeah, so the Knowles 13-2 on Saturday. Guys who pitched in relief, uh, Whitaker, Simmons, Joe Charles, the transfer from UNC, uh, Kyle McMullen. Yeah, I'm just going to touch on Joe Charles. Um, have been saying for a while that I think he can be a really special, a really good arm for Florida State out of the pen. Um, you know, they wanted to give him a couple opportunities first to, you know, get his feet wet in games because he hasn't had, you know, he was at UNC for two years. One was a shortened year, and last year he was out with injuries. So they're trying to get him comfortable in some of these game situations first but throw, before throwing him in something high leverage or something with a bunch of runners on base. But Joe's got really, really good stuff. I mean, it was 93-95 with the fastball, I believe. Slider is an absolute banger of a, of a breaking ball. Also throws in a curveball once in a while, too. Um, he's going to be a guy that just gives fits to right-handed hitters. And also, I think, left-handed hitters because he can drop in a curveball for strikes on the, you know, coming on the back door on, on the side of the plate. But um, it was really good to see him. I, I think he had a one, two, three inning and was right. All Everything was in the strike zone, a couple Ks. Um, he's going to be really good, I think, this year for Florida State. Uh, Knowles did have a couple of errors in this one. Uh, I believe that they gave one to Terrell on a throw down, I believe, to second base that they initially called out, and then they went back and reviewed, and I, I think, uh, was it Ranks? Uh, foot was off the bag, and then uh, I don't remember the error on Mathis. It was catcher's interference. Okay, which, so, I mean, that's kind of, yeah. for all intents and purposes, you had one real error. Yeah. Um, and, and even then, I thought Terrell made a nice play. It was a bang-bang play. Yeah, I just thought he should have just gone to first. I mean, I think they were up 8-1 at that point. Yeah. Um, that was my only real issue with it. All right, Sunday. 10-4, to Florida State wins this one. Um, Ross Dunn on the hill. Uh, I know uh, a lot of people were really excited to see him pitch uh, after the offseason that he had in the preseason, bright spots. He, you, told, you said it to everybody. You know, he beat everybody out for that Sunday spot. Um, and he was a mixed bag. I mean, two and a third. The stuff was still good. It's just um, a couple full count walks that I think kind of doomed him a little bit. Um, but I thought, you know, he battled, you know, for, for what he was given. 59 pitches, four walks. You're going to need to clean that up. Three strikeouts. Um, what did you make of Ross Dunn's first start? Yeah, Ross was amped up. Um, he's an intense guy to begin with, and I think it was even multiplied on Sunday, which you get. I mean, it's first career weekend start. Um, I still think Ross is going to be really good for this team this year. Uh, you know, I didn't think he was that far off from having a pretty good outing. I mean, all four of his walks came on three, two counts, like you mentioned. Um, you know, got a little unlucky there in the third inning, I think. You know, they got a bunt single to start the inning, and it was almost an out, you know, throw just a little offline from Colton. Um, you know, goes down to the single, and then he goes, you know, a three, two walk, then a fly out, then another three, two walk, and his day is over. Um, so, I mean, I mean, you make three different pitches, two different pitches, you got a completely different outing almost. 
Um, first inning, you really saw what he can be. You know, two Ks in a one, two, three inning um, was pretty dominant. I mean, made Delauder look pretty silly. Um, and, you know, was dropping curveballs, was was getting the fastball to go to. Um, just struggled with his fastball command, and he couldn't really show off much of his um, off-speed stuff in that second and third innings just because he was trying to get back in the zone. Just got himself into some bad counts, some 2-0, 3-0 counts where he battled back but wasn't able to finish the deal. Um, you know, only gives up what one run on his line, I think, and only gave up one hit. Um, obviously, walks are a little bit of concern, but I don't think – I mean, I think maybe in three outings in the preseason, Ross walks one batter total, um, and that's not even with an umpire. That's with the track, track man, which is even smaller zone than – I mean, these college – I mean, the college umpires are just – Sunday was bad. So – Sunday was bad. It they're was pretty, not good. They're pretty bad. Sunday was consistently inconsistent. Um, you know, I know there was a lot of noise from FSU's dugout. Um, you know, Meat really got into it at one point, and um, it is that's college umpiring though. It's going to happen. Um, but yeah, I don't think Ross was awful. Um, amped up um, some big misses, but I think he'll be fine moving forward. I really do. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's approach game three a little bit differently. I just for the sake of time, I know we've been we've been talking now about almost an hour. Um, feels like it just flies by, doesn't it? Has it been an hour? Oh it is, man. Uh, Nazu, Armstrong, Barrett, Walker, Scalaro, Crowell, all toss in relief. Uh, standouts uh, of that group uh, concerns. I know walks were kind of a concern all day long, um, but a lot of guys got uh, much needed work. Yeah, I thought Nazu was very good. Um, showed off that fastball. He's kind of got the high spin fastball like Bryce does, where it, it's going to work 90, 91, 92, but it plays up and really gives hitters fits. You know, got up to 94 at one point. Um, had the huge had a huge strikeout in the third inning to strand the bases loaded. Um, had another big strikeout in the fourth. Um, Jackson's a guy that's going to do a lot for them this year. Can be, uh, you know, he he was built up to four innings in the preseason. Uh, he can he can start a game here or there. He can close out games. He could, you know, be a bridge guy. He can just do about anything you want. He's kind of the Swiss Army knife, I think, this year for them. Um, so it was good to see him come into a high leverage situation and get the job done. Um, Army struggled a bit with walks, but I don't think that's something that Army is going to struggle. I think, you know, that was more so first outing of the season jitters. Um, and he's always been pretty reliable with the strike zone. I thought David Barrett showed off a pretty good slider. Um, was, I think, 84-85 with the slider, tight spin, was throwing some bangers through two strikeouts in one inning. Um, you know, Brandon Walker really struggled, but I don't think Brandon Walker is going to be a guy that's really in the mix for some from high, high leverage situations out of the bullpen this year. Um, he had three of those 10 walks they had. that, And, um, you know, White Crow closed the game out after Jonah came in and got, out, got them out of a big situation in the seventh. Jonah got... Got them out of a huge situation in the seventh, you know, stranded the bases loaded, uh, you know, gave up a double, which led to a couple of runs in the eighth, but wasn't throwing the ball bad or anything like that. Um, thought Wyatt Crowell was much better Sunday than he was on Friday. Um, slider was really, really good. Uh, fastball command was back there, just gave up one single, but I thought he was, I thought he showed what he really can be. And I thought he showed that, um, you know, he's a guy that can throw ninth innings too. He's, he's really got some really, really electric stuff when he's going right. Yeah, I thought Crowell bounced back really well um, in his second chance of the weekend, and that's an arm that's proven it to you before, you know, a season ago. So, and why is the type of guy that even when he doesn't have his stuff, he's not going to give give up m- much because 
nasty. His stuff's still really, yeah. it's just hard for guys to pick up. Dude, the breaking stuff is ridiculous. Yeah, his slider is one of the better ones in this team. And, I mean, lefties have no chance against it. Even righties, when he gets it to that back door, I mean, he made Dabney look silly in that last event of that game. And like you said, I think Dabney's a pretty solid hitter. Um, he dropped a couple back back foot sliders that just were, un, like, they were just unreal. Wyatt also really hides the ball well. Have you noticed that? Like, it's not like, like by the time he releases it, the pitcher, uh, sorry, the hitter who sees it is just kind of like, it's he's confused. Uh, and especially when you're thinking about how good the breaking ball is, uh, his fastball will jump up on you uh, pretty quickly. Wyatt's another one that's got a chance to be like a top three round guy. I mean, this staff's just... Is Wyatt a, is Wyatt a potential future starter? I think Wyatt could start, um, but I also think Wyatt... I think his best his best days are going to come as a reliever, as a guy that's in the back end of a bullpen. Um, you know, his last outing of the preseason, he went four innings and was really good. Um, now, I don't know if he'll ever fit into the rotation here at Florida State, but I think, I think uh, you know, he's a, saw, a guy that's that could even be a dominant reliever in college and still be a really high draft pick I, 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 going into the pros. And he, he really feels his position well. He's um, super athletic. Extremely. I mean, people hope people didn't forget that he actually hit last season Played center for field. the team and, and was pretty – like he was a pretty good hitter. So uh, I'm not saying it's out of the realm of possibility that we see Wyatt Crowell get at bats at some point oh, this no, season. Oh, no, please stop. I'm telling you. I don't you, need pitchers hitting again. I'm just letting you know. I'm sure Wyatt's going to be in the ear of uh, meat at some point. Oh. You could see it. I'm just letting no, you know. If I'm we just, ever have to get back to a point – where there's pitchers <laughs> hitting in our lineup. I mean, Davis Hare. I think Davis and Wyatt tied for the team lead in triples last year. They can you both look back rake. at that. They that's rake. all you need to know about last year's team, dude. Okay? Wyatt and that's Davis. That's the last. Rake. That's the last thing I'm saying about last year's team. I just I can't talk about the struggle anymore. Oh, we don't have to. Let's keep moving. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, also, uh, I thought, you know, you mentioned a little bit, I thought Jonah, after giving up a couple of those runners, did a nice job of managing that inning. The key there is to not let a two-run inning turn into a six-run inning, and Scalaro went right to work, right, limiting damage, and that's just, that's veteran experience, and um, nice job there to to make sure that, you know, that didn't get out of hand. Uh, so 10-4 to four overall on the day. Uh, the lineup, uh, we can talk about Alex Terrell really all day long if you want. Uh, a couple more hits, three RBIs, Logan Lacey, big home run. Um, and and that, that's Logan Lacey. You and I talked about it. We said it's at his best, right? When Logan's really good, he's going opposite field. And I think he showed you he's got, he's got sneakier pop than people give him credit for. I think Meat was probably holding back tears of joy. I think he was probably jumping for joy in his head when, when Lacey went oppo bomb. I mean, every day in practice – um, Meat tells Lacey, you're at your best when you're, you're hitting them off that right field fence. You know, just attack fastballs and send them that way. You can do it. You can do it. Um, so when he did that, um, yeah, I just all I could think about was what Meat was thinking about. Um, but, yeah, a really good day for the top of the order again. I mean, those guys combined, Albert Lacey, Terrell Roberts, combined to hit 525 on the weekend and struck out just six times in 40 at-bats. Um, Reese, three for three for the second straight day. Ended the weekend on um, hits and seven straight at bats. Uh, you know, he had a three runs scored on the day, um, six runs scored total on the weekend. That's what you want from your leadoff guy. You want them on base and you want them scoring runs. And like you mentioned, um, Terrell again, just two more doubles, I think two, three RBIs, 
And B-Rob was two for three on the day as well with a couple RBIs had an, and had also two walks. Um, really like the way B-Rob's approach is right now. I mean, I think he had nine walks or eight walks all last season in about 47 games for Tennessee Tech, and he already has three this year. Um, so that, I mean, he's just, he's seeing the ball really well. Um, I don't know if anybody on this roster sees spin better than he does. You know what I like about Sunday games? They're crazy. Well, you don't know what's going to happen ever. Exactly. Which is why you like to jump out on people early in games. Florida State scored right away, you know, in that bottom of that first inning. Terrell with the, man, he scorched that ball over that center fielder's head. I want to say that center fielder chased the lotters to head. Um, and then four more runs, right, in the bottom of the third inning. Four runs in the fourth, uh, three runs in the fourth inning, and you kind of put that game away. I think Sundays are a day you don't want the other team to believe if you've already won the first two and you're going for a sweep. Um, you kind of want to step on their neck when when they're down. And I thought Florida State did that. I thought this team just did a really good job this weekend of responding, and also, well, I thought the pitchers made timely pitches, and I thought the hitters had timely hits. I mean, it felt like every time James Madison scored, that that immediately the offense scored right after. I mean, Friday we mentioned those back-to-back home runs right after after JMU took the first lead of the, of the season. Um, and then, you know, Sunday, JMU ties the game 1-1, and all of a sudden it's 5-1 FSU because uh, they put a four spot right after that. When you do that to teams, it just suffocates them. They think, you know, we're never going to get an opportunity here. Um, so if they can keep doing them that, if they, you know, you put up zeros after you score, and if you put up runs after the other teams score, you're going to be a really good team, I think. Yeah, the offense definitely has taken a step forward. I think, you know, Brett, you had been kind of previewing it all offseason with um, just saying, look, this team's going to make contact. They're they're really good. You texted me, I think, like the week before the first game. It might have been even a couple days before first pitch, and you said, this team's going to hit. And I, I had to be the one to kind of be like, whoa, just, just take a step back, take a deep breath. And you're like, listen, this team's going to hit. It's, and uh, they did. They, 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 they proved it. And this team is more – talented and, and deeper but it, it's not really that that made me feel like they were going to hit it's just these dudes battle man like they 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 do everything in their power not to strike out i mean you see guys flailing throwing their bats out on sliders and two strikes just trying to foul them off or just trying to put them in place somewhere because when you put the ball in play good things happen most of the time i mean i mean there were, you saw the error on the ball that Terrell hit to first you had a couple bloopers i mean reese had a a pair of hits, I think, that were just off the inside of, just off his bare, off his um, hands that he drops into right into left field for a hits. Um, who, I mean, who cares if you hit the ball a hundred miles per hour for a hit or a fifty miles per hour for a hit? I don't care. Meat doesn't care. Fans don't care, and batting averages don't care. Either way, they're going to rise when you get a hit. And I think these guys on this team have really taken that mindset. And they're just they just battle, man. They just fight. And it's good to see, especially after last year. I thought, you know, Reese Albert got the nod to hit leadoff uh for most of this weekend and um he really showed incredible bat skills. I mean he seven for nine. Bro, this man went seven for nine. And there weren't very many cheap hits. Like everything was kind of hit pretty solidly. Uh and the home runs are gonna come for Reese, I think, especially at Hauser. Um but you've got – is that going to stick, you think, a table setter like that? Is Reese Albert the leadoff guy for, for the time being? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, interested to see when Jordan comes back, Jordan carry on, um, which I believe he'll be back this weekend. That's what it sounded like. I um, believe he was pretty much ready to go this past weekend, but they weren't going to take any risks. 
Um, Jordan's always been a guy that they've thought of as a potential leadoff hitter or also a double leadoff hitter. Um, you know, if and when Tyler Martin comes back, um, you know, still no timetable set there. You know, obviously I think he is the leadoff guy. Um, but, you know, for now, I mean, next week, and I'll be interested to see with carry on back in the mix. You know, I think a big part of them going with, with uh, Reese at the top there was to go left, right, left, right through there um, against right-handed pitchers. Um, so we'll see. And I also think they like, they like IP at the top of the lineup as well when he's in there. Um, so we'll see when Jordan comes back. I don't know for sure if it will stick. Um, but, I mean, if Reese is going to go seven for nine every weekend, I'm fine with him hitting first. It's hard to argue, right? I mean, gosh, he looked incredible. I mean, Meat kind of said on Friday in the press conference, like, someone asked him about Reese's leadoff, and he was kind of just like, I kind of just had a hunch. Like, I kind of just thought I liked the matchup and liked what was there and just, you know, I mean, made him look like a genius this weekend, really. Shout out Jackson Green, five for ten this weekend. That's uh, that's someone who wasn't on the roster in the fall. So, and I, I think it's another example of, you know, I think Jackson probably came back and and saw some of these guys and was thinking, wow, like these guys are bought in, like everybody here is bought in, like let me, like I I want to be a part of that, like I want to, I want to go up there and fight as well. I mean, I think. Jackson had five hits this weekend. I think a couple of them were swinging bunch singles. I think one was on a hit and run that he perfectly executed to put runners on the corners. Um, and he played good defense like he's always going to play. Um, you know, I do think Greeny's going to move out of the lineup when Jordan comes back. Um, but, I mean, you just it just shows you, man. Like, these guys are they're just bought in, man. I just I don't know what else to say. It's just that willingness to fight. I mean, Greeny only struck out one time this weekend. He also walked one time, um, just one through nine. It's just, yeah, it's just so much more competitive. Listen, if Jackson Green hits five for ten and continues, he's going to find a place in that lineup. I promise you, they're going to find a spot for him to play. Because uh, if you can hit, you're going to play. If you're hitting five hundred anywhere, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I mean, heck, if he hits like he's not. I mean, okay. if he hits two eighty, you're going to find somewhere for him to play. You the got, thing is, I think you know when. When Jordan comes back, I think Jordan will play. You know, Jordan will play shortstop. Um, they'll probably move Brett over to second and put Trayton at third. Um, and the thing is, Trayton can play third. I don't think really Greeny can play third. He's never played there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they want Brett up the middle with Jordan. Um, you know, those guys are real close. They're roommates. Um, and they those two really make a good dynamic infield. And two really athletic guys that can cover a lot of ground. So I just think it's – I think Jackson knows that too. I don't think he would have come back knowing he, I mean, he knew coming back what kind of that his role was going to be. Um, so, you know, I mean, it is a plus if he's hitting 500 every weekend though, No kidding. but I think that will be the game plan going forward there with the middle of the um, infield. Let's talk some bigger picture stuff real quick. Um, we've touched enough. I think on Reese having a good time um, Terrell's impact. These are just some notes that I wrote down uh, pitching staff being awesome. Um, Let's talk newcomers. I think we should. Let's start with the transfers, uh, the impact that Terrell and Roberts have made immediately, and the impact that you think Carrion makes when he comes back. Yeah, well, I mean, B-Rob and Terrell are hitting 3-4. I mean, that's kind of all you need to see on, on, on what they mean and what their additions meant to this team. Um, I think B-Rob's the best pure hitter on this team. I think he's probably one of the best pure hitters in the ACC. Um, I mean, he was one of the better hitters in the Cape Cod League. Um, I just don't think people realize how good this guy can be. I don't think 
Brett realizes yet how good he can be. Um, you know, I just think he's got really special hands at the play, like I've said before. Um, Alex is just so much more of a complete hitter and a complete player and such a – I don't know if there's anyone – I don't know if anyone could be a better leader than he is from what I've seen. I mean, I've been out there at practices, been out there at scrimmages. It just You just see it every day. Um, it's it's just so visible in how he how he handles himself. Um, Jordan, when he comes back, is very similar to Alex. He's a very vocal guy. Okay, that, I mean, Jordan's much younger than Alex. He's only a sophomore, but Jordan commands it infield. He he's got a little attitude to him. Um, overall, this team I think has a little bit of attitude to them. A little a little moxie, a little swagger. Uh, you know, Jordan has a lot of that, and you can hear Jordan yelling from the dugout pretty often this weekend. And He's a leader. He's a coach in the infield. He was coaching up Trayton Rank a good bit at shortstop this weekend to help him out. Um, Jordan is special defensively. Um, that's what will be the biggest impact he has when he comes back. But he's also a guy that's bought in at the plate. He's a guy that fights. He's a guy that, you know, isn't going to ever hit for a ton of power. Or, you know, I don't think he's going to be a guy that's hitting, you know, 350 or anything like that. But Jordan's going to get on base. He's going to run a little bit. And, man, he's going to play some really, really good defense up the middle. Um, I just – I don't think people – you won't understand until he makes a, a crazy play how, how good he can be defensively. Yeah, Terrell, in a lot of ways, reminds me of what Chris Marcancini brought Florida State the year that he transferred from Duke, and that's a guy who can hit 290 to 300, can hit you 10 bombs. I think Terrell's power is much more than 10 bombs. I think you're looking at – Fifteen to twenty this 50. season. No, yeah, that would be in a, in a hundred sixty two game season maybe. Um, Roberts, remind. I told you this before we hit record. Uh, he reminds me of Devin Travis in a lot of ways. Former Florida State second baseman that that went on to have a, a couple of really good seasons in the MLB. Just the hands. It, it's kind of a slender, a slender small frame, um, but he's just ultra athletic and, and he's got more pop because of those hands. Um, than than you might think when you first look at them. So that's been big. There's there's double digits home. There's double digit homers in that bat. Yeah, Joe Charles. I thought impressed the Carolina transfer. Um, you can see what what makes a lot of people excited about him. Um, the ability there. All right, Joe was like a like top thirty in 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 that high school class coming yeah. out and just had injuries at UNC and then struggled a lot with his command in the summer, but. Man, Jimmy Bellinger is just, yeah, he's 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 created. He might have created a monster with this pitching staff. Uh, further, the freshman Tibbs Ferrer overall on the weekend, fantastic. Trayton Rank I thought held his own uh, pretty well. Uh, Baumeister obviously uh, was fantastic out of the pen. Uh, I asked Jackson on Saturday um, just while he was warming up and he was walking around, uh, was it everything you thought it would be? And he said it was more. Uh, the crowd gave me chills. And so um, that was really cool for him to have that moment. But your thoughts on the freshmen overall uh, as a group? Yeah, I, I, I kind of like this class more and more as the days goes by. Um, Tibbs and, and Jaime can both be special in the lineup. Um, you know, Jaime is going to platoon. I mean, sorry, uh, Tibbs is going to platoon for a while. Um, but he's got special power. Jaime overall has just so many tools. He's good base runner. Um, he's fast. He's he's got pop in his bat. He's got strength. I mean, just look at the kid, and you know he's he's a strong kid. Um, big arm in that in outfield as well. And you know, still developing him as a catcher, and hope he can be that catcher in the future. But um, you know, for now, I'm going to be out in the outfield. Um, Trait and rank, I've always been a really big fan of. Just just solid all around. Can do many different things. I mean, he plays all nine positions quite literally. 
played every single position in high school, pitched, played football. Um, a guy that, you know, is, is a good leader, I think, and a guy that plays the game the right way and does a lot of things that you just – you can build around a kid like that, I think, especially on the middle of the infield or anywhere he plays. He's going to be a guy that, you know, gives you solid days. Um, Ballmeister, like you mentioned, um, you know, he's got a special future ahead of him. I thought Connor Whitaker – Freshman had a good moment on, I believe he threw, what was it, Saturday, I think. Um, came in and, you know, got into a bit of a jam, but worked his way out of it, kept his composure. Um, he's going to be a guy that throws a good bit of innings this year, I think, and definitely down the future, maybe a, a weekend starter down the line. I've always thought that he compares pretty well to Connor Grady and, and three pitches for strikes and just everything about the way he handles himself on the mound. Um, and, you know, I also think there's a lot of good depth pieces from this freshman class. I think Mays White showed a little bit in his time at shortstop that he's a really good defender, athletic kid, um, may need a little bit of time with the bat, but I think he's going to be a tool for FSU down the line. Same thing with Connor Moore, ready defensively, but um, you know has a lot of tools there, but uh, may need a little time with the bat. But overall, I just – I really like this class, and I think they, they're, they're going to you know surprise some people with what they do um, in their time at Florida State. And then overall, the pieces just feel like they fit really well uh, on this group, right? Um the, the newcomers have a, a great mentality about them. I think they've got great energy. I think the guys who came back, uh, there seems to be a, a refreshed mindset for a lot of them. The the transfers that you added, I think each bring something to the table. Um, and I don't know, Brett. I mean, you've been around them a long time uh, now, uh, since since especially summer and, and fall ball. Um, but just the, the week that I had, just kind of going around and, and chatting with people and, and just kind of being around the park um, leading up to the, the broadcasts, they – are having way more fun, and they're way more loose and relaxed, and it's it's a completely different clubhouse in terms of just energy, mojo, uh, whatever you want to call it, right? Like, it's a confidence, but it seems like there's a humility to that confidence, and they really, you can tell that they really love being around each other, and I, I think it shows in the, in the way that they play innings one through nine. Yeah, off the field, this team really likes each other, really likes playing with each other, um, really like just doing things with each other, and you know, they're good kids to be around, too. They all talk really well. They give you good interviews, and, you know, they come up to you, shake your hand, and, you know, but when they get on the field, they all got a, you know, a good bit of swagger to them, and they want to win. They want to win for each other specifically, and I think it all starts from the top down. I mean, the change in – I mean, Meat's just so much more relaxed this year, and he's so much more, you know, comfortable with what he has to work with on this roster – uh, you know, pieces fit well together because of chemistry. And they also just fit – this team just fits well together because they profile so much better at every position it feels like. Um, you know, first base, you actually have a lefty glove and a guy with pop. I mean, shortstop, you have a good defender. Second base, you're going to have a good bat and an athletic guy. Third base, you should have, you know, a, a solid player there as well. Outfield, you got guys that are athletic that are going to cover ground and, and hit as well. Um, you know, catcher, you're profiling because you're going to get a guy that's tough behind the plate, may not hit for a ton, but they just need defense there. It's just the pieces have just – I think we talked about it in the summer a while back where when we they were getting the transfers, it kind of felt like, you know, here's a piece connecting here. It just started making more sense. You know, it just felt like they were a couple pieces away. And I think we're seeing now that that puzzle is it's pretty well defined. It's pretty – there doesn't seem like there's a ton of pieces missing. You know, a lot of, obviously a long way to go and injuries and stuff happen. There's already been injuries. Um, 
but yeah, man, it's just it's just an enjoyable team to watch. I think it's a joy- enjoyable team to be around. Um, you know, everybody that you talk to around the program just says, you know, everything about this team, the camaraderie about them, and just the way they handle themselves. You know, it's it's how it should be. And you know, I mean, they practice for four hours in preseason every day, and it seems like when they're done with practice, they still want to be practicing because they want to be around each other. That's just kind of the mindset that this team has. Yeah, and it leads to an opening weekend sweep of a James Madison team that, again, we all think is going to be a decent club by the end of the year. Um, I like that you mentioned a long way to go because I think we need to try and make sense of the whole weekend. Uh, You don't ever want to get too high and never want to get too low. It's opening weekend, and uh, just like in years past when Florida State's opening weekends haven't gone nearly as good as this one – seasons evolve and and they that doesn't mean you know just because you start hot you're going to finish hot and if you start poorly you're going to finish poorly right and um the proper perspective i think from my end is there's a lot of improvement on this team i think it's very clear i think the areas that you can feel good going to sleep at night is that that staff is incredible uh the rotation is really good the bullpen has a little bit of everything that, that you can throw at somebody and i feel confident in saying that this team will defend at a higher level than they did last season. Now the hitting will come and go. I think as seasons, uh, you know, kind of, kind of, kind of, they come and go, right? And they, and seasons matriculate and and continue to move forward. But um, I like the pieces on this team. And I think you know some of these kids will go through slumps at some point. It's baseball. It happens. It's a long season for a reason. Um, but I think I like where a lot of these kids are at uh, as people and mentalities uh, to, to eventually be able to put things together. Well, and the thing that gives me hope, and like you mentioned, kids go into slumps is this year when kids go into slumps, there's guys that can give them a day off. That, that wasn't a thing last year. I mean, Robbie had one hit in a month and could never even get a day off because there just weren't guys. This year there's guys there. And when you have depth, you can do a lot of different things. You're so much more flexible, and, and a whole length of a season is just going to seem so much more easy just easy to get through easy to go with the ebbs and flows and like we've mentioned a few times there's guys on this team that have been through the ups and downs and they're going to be able to help other kids go through those ups and downs as well yeah uh, i just i think you can find themes from opening weekend and that this group likes being around each other uh there's a little bit more ability at the plate than there was last year there might not be as much pop as you had last season um but once you get everybody healthy and back, I think Mike Martin Jr. has even said, we're going to try and put pressure on teams in different ways. Not as much pop, but they're going to make pitchers grind so much harder than they ever had to grind last year. No doubt. That's going to be uh, something to keep an eye on. And the schedule is going to get tougher, folks. Like, it's, def- it's definitely going to happen. Um, James Madison, uh, we're not sitting here and telling you that James Madison is like a f- surefire NCAA tournament team, you know, they're not like a regional team. We don't know. Um, but what we do know is the, the schedule gets tougher. The ACC should be pretty good this season, and, and we'll have a, a more uh, genuine and accurate gauge of what this group can do uh, as we get along. But I think, again, you can rest assured that they're going to pitch at a very, very, very high level all season long. And so, um, Brett, any other big takeaways from the weekend before we sign off? Um, I don't think so. I think we hit on everything, just about everything. I um, just wanted to mention Jacksonville Tuesday, um, 6 o'clock, I think, on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, Carson Montgomery is expected to start, is dealing with a bone bruise on his heel, I believe it is. I believe it's heel. Um, but I believe it's mostly precautionary in that 
um, he'll be able to go. If not, I mean, it could be Ballmeister back in his hometown. Um, so we'll see. Um, if it is Carson, um, looking forward to what he what he shows and and how he handles himself in that spot. Um, but that's you know I think uh, six o'clock. Yeah, against the Dolphins in Jacksonville. Yeah, I'm excited to see Montgomery pitch. That should be a lot of fun. And uh, Knowles and Duval, those in the surrounding areas, definitely uh, make it out there to Session Stadium and uh, support the Seminoles. That should be good weather, uh, supposedly in the Jacks area. Uh, Tuesday, six o'clock and. Um, for the rest of us, we'll watch it on ESPN Plus. And, um, yeah, I think uh, on, we're going to have another podcast on Friday. We'll, it'll release on Friday before the Knowles take on Samford for for three-game set. Um, and we'll also probably touch more on a national and ACC picture. I know that was something we wanted to do, but because I think we've run out of time, we've, we've kind of gone uh, a lot on opening weekend uh, here. So. Um, we'll chat about that on Thursday. So preview Sanford, chat ACC national news. If you got questions, feel free, please uh, email us, uh, tweet at us, slide into the DMs. Um, we would love to to hear your thoughts, even if uh, you know you don't have a question and you just have a comment uh, about this team. We'd love to hear what you have to say, and um, you know well, we love doing this. We're excited to be back. Uh, opening weekend was a blast. It was great to see a lot of you at the park and to chat with a lot of you. So. Uh, I know Brett loves covering this team. He's had a blast doing it really for the last couple of years, and it's been a pleasure to, to call the games uh, for Florida State for a lot, of these, a lot of these games. So it was good to see all the guys and meet some of the new names. And, um, yeah, uh, if you could, please leave us five stars on Apple. Uh, we're on Spotify as well and wherever else you get uh, your podcast. Leave us a comment. Leave us a review. Let us know how we can get better. And uh, if there are some things you want us to chat about, uh, feel free to hit us up. So, Until we chat with you again, uh, for Brett Nevitt, Aria Masudi, talk to you soon.